This is MJ. I love Tokusatsu, and right now I want to talk to you about Kamen Rider Zero One, Episode Thirty Eight. This is MJ Loves Toku, Episode Sixty Three. I'm doing my big catch up as uh, this is I don't know August tenth or eleventh or something like that, and I am rapidly catching up uh, to where Zero One is. And I gotta say, this might be my favorite episode so far. I am not going to say that I believe in a redemption arc for Amatsu Guy, but I feel the most sympathetic I've ever felt for him, and I can understand where he's coming from and, you know, what hurt him and how he allowed that hurt to uh, change him as a person, and uh, it's interesting. I really like it. So before I get into specifics, I'm going to let you know this episode was basically titled I'm 1000% Your Friend, which I don't like, but it's okay. It originally aired on July 12, 2020. Uh, again, here I'm like a month later almost catching up with it. Um, the writer was Yuya Takahashi and the director was uh, Ryosuke Sakuno. And... I felt like this was definitely a good episode for the main writer to have written, or the head writer of the show to have written, because it specifically featured, you know, a great deep insight into Amatsu Guy, our main protagonist of the show, if you don't count Comrade Arc, and uh, which he's the one that really, you know, birthed Arc by giving it all that bad information about humans and humanity and what they are, but look at what he uh, was exposed to, look at what he was given as a child, look at what he was taught humanity is. Um, wow. Yeah, I could like go off on this forever, but I'm, I'll allow myself a few minutes to wax philosophical and yeah, I guess philosophical would be the, the key word here. Uh, and then I'll go on to talking about the uh, rest of the episode. Although let me check out my images real quick to see if this is what I want to talk over or what. Um, no, I was going to point out the dumb joke was dumb. I'm not going to do that. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to talk about the emotional pain and turmoil that, you know, Amatsu guy felt uh, inflicted by his father and how this, uh, you know, deep wound that he never recovered from caused him, it, you know, changed the course of his life and it caused him to be a particular type of person who is willing to hurt other people and who rejects the uh, normal human uh, attachments and realities of relationships that would enable somebody, uh, man or woman, you know, whatever gender you want to say or whatever, to have a healthy relationship with other people. And uh, that's really sad. And uh, I'm just going to throw it out here. If you're interested in this topic, I'm not talking about men's rights, okay? So don't freak out on me. I, uh, and this may not help you to believe that I'm not talking about that, but I grew up with a bunch of women. Uh, I had at one point referred to myself as a feminist, although I think that is a very inaccurate title for what I am, especially with the modern definition of feminism. Uh, I kind of ascribe to the, you know, it's the radical idea that men and women should have equal rights uh, and shouldn't be treated unfairly uh, based solely on their sex. But, you know, you talk any more, uh, if you go into any more detail than that, it gets complicated and that's not what I'm interested in. I'm, I have traditional roles in my family and in my life and, you know, we abide by those, stick to those, whatever, but that's not what you want to hear. You want to hear me talking about more about Comrade, which I will get to, but I first I need to continue with the philosophizing. 
Anyway, so Amatsugai has exhibited uh, traits of what you could call toxic masculinity, uh, and I was interested in the subject for many reasons, and I actually uh, got, <laughs> I started reading a book that I never finished, and then I found like a sequel to that book. That book was called King, Magician, Warrior, Lover, and it talks about the four different uh, archetypes, psychological archetypes of men. Uh, there's a like a female correspondence as well, but the men who wrote the book were interested in helping men to become better men, to become real men, not, um, you know, violent uh, man babies um, or, you know, overly aggressive man babies. And they said that it wasn't masculinity that was the problem. It was a lack of uh, masculinity and a lack of uh, transitioning men or males from being boys into being men and that failure to go from boys to men was uh, what um, was the source of a lot of turmoil and that the demasculinization and the vilification of masculinity by uh, western-ish, modern-ish society is, you know, kind of what caused a lot of issues and that if you look at the sources of, you know, toxic masculinity, that there's a lack of true masculinity and that masculinity should have a positive aspect to it. And they also argued, I think, in that book that if there's such a thing as toxic masculinity, then there's such a thing as toxic femininity. And uh, anyway, might be a subject you want to explore for yourself. Again, that book is called King, Magician, Warrior, Lover. And then they actually had, they were going to make uh, four more books specifically focusing on one or one book per archetype. And then they were going to, well, then they made a book called, um, I think it's called The King Within, and that was really interesting. That was really interesting because uh, that was an audio book available. Anyway, I have a much easier time consuming audio books than I do uh, books I have to read with my own eyes. And anyway, uh, that book was very enlightening to me, and it, uh, the ultimate point of the book is that in order for men to be who they should be, they need to look at themselves and examine their lives, and uh, you're welcome, and basically challenge themselves to do things that are difficult for them to do, and that could be anything from quitting smoking or, uh, you know, I, I can't really think of any good examples off the top of my head, but for Matsugai, if we examine him through this perspective, we can see that one of the hardest things for him to do is to let people in. One of the hardest things for him to do is to trust another human being, trust another person, and to feel like he can rely on them. And that came from a wounding that came at the hands of his father. You need to take that back. Anyway, a wounding that came from the hands of his father, and then if you want to get deeper into the uh, rabbit hole, so to speak, uh, there's a book by a Christian uh, named John Eldridge. Um, it's called, uh, oh gosh, Ransom Heart. It's Ransom Heart Ministries. It's uh, blah, 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 something like that. Anyway, you can look it up, John Eldridge, something about heart and masculinity and men. And uh, I found that book to be very enlightening. It's something that I read and some people I know read. And uh, it was very interesting. Uh, and it talked about all the um, nuanced aspects of what it is to be a man and uh, how positive that can be. And I think the positive manly characteristics 
uh, are something that are embodied by um, some of the other characters in the show. Uh, you know, Fua had a lot of issues in the beginning, but he's rounded out and he's begun to show other aspects of himself. And Aruto was kind of a jokester and he would line up more with like the fool archetype and you know but he's thrust in this position of like a king and a lot of these things can be related back to uh the hero's journey and um kind of if you look at the uh like the way it's defined in like the tarot system um it all it all blends well together because of the use of the broad archetypes and how it um using those systems you can see how uh, one moves through the archetype uh, through the archetypes as life stages and how uh, it kind of tracks with their growth as a person and again this can be applied to both men and women and uh, that's something important to recognize so anyway um, I think Arto has come more and more into this role as like a warrior and he's supposed to be the president of his company so there's this aspect of kingliness and like even in this episode they talked about what the responsibility and what the position of being a king means and it means uh, at least in the perspective uh here in the episode that you have a responsibility uh, being in this position to do right by the people who are subject to you the people under you and you have a responsibility to do what's right uh, even if it costs you and that if you fail to do that then even though you're nominally in this position that you have no right to remain in that position now i'm interested to see and i don't want to speculate what will happen with the matsugai being uh friends with haruto and trying to help him at the end um to fight off uh to fight off the um the arc because uh, like i personally don't think he deserves a redemption arc as i've said before he's a very very well executed villain but the extent of his villainy uh is so dramatic and he's done so much that i don't feel like he warrants any real chance for redemption and for him to live a happy peaceful life after all that he's done i'm not saying i need him to die and i'm not saying i need him to die fighting the ark but um it'd be interesting if he who was wounded by his father and who is senior to aruto and who tried to teach him and coach him in what it is to be a president over a company tried to teach him what it's like to be a king in this sort of role ended up dying to protect Aruto whose Humagir father died protecting him as a helpless child and uh, I just kind of think that would be interesting for the end of Amatsugai's arc is for him to become another type of father to Aruto Hiden who he had seen as uh, this enemy and usurper to the company that he loved and that he wanted to take over uh i think that would be really interesting i think that would do a lot to serve his character to give him that full arc but also not to let him off easy and to just let him like ba basically get whatever he wants by being fully redeemed like like i don't know who but just it would be an unsatisfying arc for me uh, let me see i i really love the robot um I love the little robot dog. I loved it in the past. I loved it in the present. Uh, seeing the different versions of it, knowing that that thing was called Thouser. I, don't, I wonder if Thouser, the name came from um, 
I wonder if that was the name he gave it to it, or if that was the name it was given by Hidden Industries or Hidden Intelligence. And uh, I don't know, I think it was adorable. And seeing his bond and his affection for this dog, him as a child, and seeing his father be so cruel to him and uh, like reject him so much. Oh, and his dad, hold on, was his dad wearing all white too? Oh, that's nasty. His dad was wearing all white, so he's trying to copy his dad and be that. 1000% man that his father wanted him to be and that I would assume he demanded of himself um, that, that is some nasty uh, psychology playing out but it totally works for him anyway but the little thouser dog was cute and adorable and it was nice that I and Zaya were able to break through to him this bad man not by attacking him and calling him out for being a bad man but by appealing to his humanity and by extending that olive branch and by tenderness and you know, kindness, and uh, let's go there since we're talking about gender dynamics and, you know, sexual differences. Um, in order to redeem this, you know, bad man, uh, these feminine soft qualities were used, and those were the things that were finally able to break him down. Although, he was put in that position where he was softened up, so to speak, by Aruto defeating him and disarming him and, you know, taking off his belt and stuff, which was uh, super, super cool to see. Um... And I think it's interesting, or it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens with Aruto and where he's going to go next in his hero's journey, which I would say he's definitely on one. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. There, there was lots of cool cool stuff that happened. Um, well, there was some... I was going to kind of trash talk some stuff, but I don't really feel like doing that now. I'd rather feel like focusing on the positive elements. Although i got to say, the entrance of Thouser and Thouser. The double Thouser entrance was really cool. Um, that dog skidding like Easy did. Um, super funny. Uh, super funny and I don't know if it's actually clever or not but I kind of feel like it was so I'm gonna give it to the show and you know say congratulations to the team. Whoever wrote that scenario, whoever put it together, y'all did a good job. A good job there. Um, gosh, I don't know what else to say. I like how brutal Ark is. I mean, we've seen that before. Uh, you know, he's bringing the pain. Um, but I don't know. I don't really have much else to say, so I'm going to go ahead and stop there and say that I'm excited to see 39, and I'm hoping I can get all caught up this week, uh, the week of August, whatever it is, 10th or something, and then uh, we'll see where I go with the rest of the show from here. If you enjoyed this, like, comment, and share to help me grow. Don't forget to subscribe to keep current with each release. Chat with me on Twitter at MJ underscore scribe. Visit MJMunoz.com slash podcast to find the multiple feeds in which I analyze Star Wars, Tokusatsu, comics, and more. Visit MJMunoz.com slash support for links to my Redbubble and coffee pages so you can help keep me doing the things I do. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Until next time, be well. And remember, you don't have to shout henshin to be a hero.